Hi. Well, happy Mother's Day to everyone. We're glad you're here, mothers, grandmothers, stepmothers, and everyone else. We have a tradition here. This will be the last time we get you to stand until the end of service. So mothers, stand up. It's the mothers. You're new with us. This is a tradition we do every year because we love to give children sharp objects and tell them to run around. All right. Kids, y'all come in. Everybody come in. Come in. Come up here to in front to Pastor Stephen. Come up here. There we go. You guys look great. Come up here. Everybody come up. Good job. Y'all come up here. All right. They're sharp. Be careful. <laughs> Maybe I should change it from roses to something else. <laughs> All right. So what do we do every year? Do y'all know? For who? For me? Yeah, for mothers. That's right. So mothers that are standing, get a flower if you need to because it's been a long week. Just stay standing. They will stop bringing it to you when you sit down. All right. Are y'all ready? Go to your mom's first. Wait. Everybody, your mom's first. Okay. You ready? Go. If there's a lady standing, you got to bring her a flower. Look around. Great job, kids. All right. Okay. All right. Good job, kiddos. And that is our tradition. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. Enjoy the flowers. It is Mother's Day. There's grace to mothers. There's special grace to mothers. First Samuel 19, let's honor the Word of God and learn something from it. And also later they hear from a mom. First Samuel 19. Excuse me. First Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. We will get to 19, but that's at the very end. 1 Samuel chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 9. Let me set this up so we understand. The book of Judges has just ended. It's a rough time in Israel. It's a difficult time. And a certain mother is going to be, she's a mother to not yet, and she is having a difficult time with her life because of the culture is very difficult also. So this is Hannah. This is the, the famous mother because she was not a mother for a long time. She, she struggled so much because what happened is, and we're going to pick this up in verse um, 8 and 9, but what happened was she was barren. And in this Eastern culture, being barren was the worst of cur- curse, excuse me, curses. It was just so difficult. And because their, their life was so central, women didn't work outside of the home. That was their job. That's what they did full time. So she's barren, and she's a godly woman. She's a God-fearing woman, but the pro- and she has a godly husband. Elkanah, um, Elkanah is a godly husband, but because she's barren and they have no way to extend their family line and their tree, what's going to happen? Well, he kind of falls into the same thing Abraham does, unfortunately. He gets scared, he makes a fear-based decision, and he gets another wife. 
It was permitted in this culture, but God did not ever endorse it. It was, when I say permitted, the culture permitted it. God never wanted it, but it's the way it was. So he makes a fear-based decision, just like Abraham did with uh, Ishmael. And so he gets a second wife. Well, she has a bunch of kids. Well, the problem with the second wife is that she's constantly attacking, uh, verbally abusive to Hannah because she has no kids. So let me set this up. They are going to Shiloh. It's the only place that there's sacrifices. This is the Passover week. It's the biggest celebration in Israel. They, spend a, they go there, the whole family. They spend a week there with all the little kids. They're doing the whole Passover thing to teach the family how God delivers people out of sin, like God delivered people out of Egypt, right? That's the whole week. So the Bible says, one through eight, every year they go, the second wife is just on Hannah. You're going to the Passover to talk about God's miraculous blessings and miracles, and you're barren. Every year, he, she's attacking her, and it gets worse and worse until Hannah is miserable on vacation every year. Hannah is going to this big celebration, but she's dreading it every year because she has no children. So let's pick it up. Verse 8 says, Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? I'm going to let you a little secret. I know it's Mother's Day. But if a man asks four questions to his wife in a row, there's a fight a-brewing. Oh, yeah. He is a good man. He does everything he can do to make her happy. Is she happy? No, because the desire of her heart is not met, and a heart de- uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick. When you have such a desire and it, you don't have it, it makes you sick. So when a man asks four questions in a row like, look, I provide everything for you. Your life's good. I love you. He loved her. Am I not better than 10 sons? He's frustrated because the greatest frustration of a man is a man who cannot make his wife happy. (laughs) It's not his fault. She just is struggling with all these issues and hurts and pains he cannot fix. A godly man who is a good provider, who honors God, is not enough to fix you. Only God himself does. Amen? Right? It's so true. All the ladies who've been married a while, they're like, oh, yeah. I learned that like you're one of the marriage. <laughs> so here we find it, verse 9. So the big party is happening. It looks like in this text, Hannah doesn't eat the Passover. She's like in a time of mourning, which is often connected with prayer and fasting. And she takes off to the temple, the only one that exists. So Hannah rose after they had finished eating and, drank and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, was the pre- now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and praying to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. A Nazarite from birth. There was only two of them, him and Samson. Verse 12. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. 
I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until, until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was sad, was no longer sad. And her face was no longer sad. This is a huge shift in swing in her life. It's a monumental time in her life. Even though nothing has actually changed, everything has changed. Nothing has changed, but everything has changed because she's received the grace of God in her life. As a mother, not yet to be, and she'll be a mother of six, but as a mother of none right now, she's received God's grace and it's changed everything. So let's look at this. So here we have the frustration of a husband and a wife. She takes off and goes to the temple in bitterness of soul with nothing answered, and she's praying a deep, deep prayer. Now, this is a godly husband. They've been doing this every year. This is the Passover, the biggest celebration. If you fear and honor God, you don't miss it. It's like missing Easter. Like, you know, you don't, you don't go to church on Easter. Oh, my goodness. So they have left their, their town. They're there for the week. Now, how many years has she been doing this? A whole lot of years. It says year after year if you read it the way it starts. She's been praying this prayer year after year. She's been trusting God year after year. She's not a baby Christian. She trusts in God. She trusts in the God of Israel. But she's just at the point of frustration and anguish. And instead of giving up, instead of quitting, instead of bitterness of soul, and she is in bitterness of soul, but instead of just saying, that's it, I'm done. I'm just going to live out my life and that's it. What does she do? She doubles down on the God of of Israel and she gets on her face at the temple and she says, God, I'm going to make a vow to you. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is overwhelming faith. This is overwhelming grace that year after year with the voice of attacks, God's supposed to be so good to you and you don't have one child. Year after year, she doubles down and she's still on her face before the living God. Huh? You've got some notes there. Let's get through this. Number one, prayer is the greatest therapy for a mother's pain. There are pains in life for all of us, moms especially, in viewing it from the outside. Obviously, I don't know what it's like, but in viewing it from the outside, the deepest pains I've probably about ever seen is from a mother. But this mother finds peace, finds answers in one place, in prayer alone. In prayer, in prayer, in prayer alone, she finds this. You know, this is the same place our Savior found it. You hear her saying in anguish, in bitterness, in groaning. What it says in Luke, right here, Luke 22, verse 44. Very familiar. And being in agony, he prayed the more earnestly. Then his sweat became like drops of blood falling down to the ground. Well, that sounds like Hannah, doesn't it? She's mimicking her Savior. She's the same way. Prayer is the greatest therapy for a mother's pain. 
So she's by herself. This is a funny story if you really think about it. She's by herself. She's praying to the Lord. She really wants to be left alone, right? She needs some alone time. The whole family's there. And the reason it's so bad, this is a celebratory thing, the Passover. And what is the main focus and purpose of the Passover? To teach the children. You got all the kids there. They do the Passover. You're giving them bitter herbs. The kids like this. It's illustrations. They're getting to eat. They're eating the lamb. The father or the oldest is teaching the Passover. Every year she's doing this, there's just another kid from this other lady and another kid and another kid. So it just gets worse and worse and compounded. So she just wants to be by herself and and get some consolation in God. And she's by herself crying out to God, praying but not doing it verbally, praying in her heart. And Eli walks in. Eli is a unique character. He's a mixed vessel, as so many are in the, in the Old Testament. But it's a really bad time in Israel. It's a really bad time in Israel. And Eli has ungodly family members, especially his sons. And before we rip into Eli so bad about being mean to this lady, and he was sharp, there's a reason he was like this. I want to show you Judges 21-25. It's the last verse of the book. Remember, Ruth stuck right there in the middle. That's a personal story about what's going on. We really need to read Judges and then start in 1 Samuel where we are to understand the culture. So look at Judges 21, 25. This is the last thing it says in Judges. Oh, y'all know this. And in those days, there was no king in Israel. And what does it say? Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Can I ask you a question? Why in the world would the... High priest Eli sitting on the door of the temple where it's God's place in a celebratory high time. Why in the world would he think a lady who's praying on her face like that? Why would he think she's drunk? That doesn't make any sense unless the culture around Eli is so bad in Israel because everyone does what's right in his own eyes that he's just so frustrated. He's about to snap. And guess who he snaps on? Hannah. He's so frustrated with the wickedness. It's supposed to be a holy time. It's supposed to be a holy week to God, and everyone's just partying. And he's tired of dealing with drunks in the church. He's frustrated. (laughs) Right? And so he snaps on her. What's wrong with how long are you going to be drunk? You're the fourth drunk person I've been dealing with today. That's not in the Bible. I'm just. But you see, why in the world? It's possible, too. He didn't have the best eyesight. We know he was almost blind when he was older. I've realized there's a word of wisdom. If you don't have your glasses on, don't make a snap decision. (laughs) Don't judge without glasses. There it is. (laughs) Should have been my second point. (laughs) So he says, how long are you going to be drunk? What's wrong with you? Don't you know this is a church? Now, Hannah's response is amazing to me. Hannah's response when she's attacked is really amazing and shows her great character. She leaves the party because she's being attacked and she hates it from the second wife. She goes to God in anguish and prayer because she she knows prayer is the only way she's going to get free in her heart and mind. In bitterness of soul, it says. And she gets there, she gets attacked by the pastor. Oh my goodness, Eli, you are not going to grow this thing like this. You've got to stop attacking poor ladies who's trying to pray. Eli, goodness. She gets attacked, and what are the first words out of her mouth in verse 15? But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord. 
Now, I'm going to tell you, that is not the way most people, not you ladies, you are godly, wonderful, God-fearing ladies. That's not the way the world is going to answer a man who chides them, who is disrespectful and unloving to them, right? But in humble heart, know my Lord, she says, oh my goodness. No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. She's explaining herself, but I poured out my soul before the Lord. I'll tell you, number two on your notes, respectfulness is a mother's greatest strength. Prayer is their greatest therapy. Respectfulness is their greatest strength. It is. Respectfulness is their greatest, is your greatest strength. You show me a mom who can handle when kids are yelling at her or she's been disrespected or I come home and I don't feel like cleaning the dishes and I just sit there and the dishes are still dirty even though it's the day before Mother's Day. You know, you ever been there? Yeah? And, and mom can still handle it. That's the greatest strength right there. That's Hannah. That's what we see with Hannah right here. She is highly respectful to an undeserving person. Is that kind of motherhood? Highly respectful and loving to undeserving people? Is that a sum up motherhood? Many times, not all the time, but many times. You show me a woman who gives respect, especially when it is not deserves, I will show you a woman of great character, humility, emotional stability, maturity, and certainly grace. Let's keep going here. Josh, let me borrow your notes there. You're not even using them. I'm joking. I'm joking. He is. He is. Let's keep looking. Verse 17. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked. Right here, there's something supernatural that happens. Right here, it seems to be just two people having a conversation. It didn't start off well, but it's going to end well. And Eli realizes, wow, this is actually the, peop- the person I've been praying for. This is the kind of heart for Israel, and this is what I wanted to see. Oh, this is it. The people who are here at Passover praying and seeking God. Oh, Hannah was Eli's answered prayer. So then when Eli realizes that, he goes, oh, I I messed up. So he says, okay, I want the peace of God. Go in peace and whatever you're asking. Does he know what she's asking? He has no clue what's going on. All he's doing is functioning in his role as high priest. Go and whatever you ask, may the Lord grant it. Now, there's a supernatural exchange here. So we got a high priest who's speaking. We have a high priest, right? Who speaks by the Spirit of the Lord, even though he's a flawed person. We have a perfect high priest. And there is a supernatural exchange because when Hannah gets up, she's not sorrowful anymore, and the presence of the Lord has just hit her. There's a word of wisdom, or if you look in the New Testament for uh, 1 Corinthians 12, a word of knowledge 
that has poured through Eli and boom, has hit her on the floor right there. Number three on your notes. Assurance is the result of a mother's trust in God. Assurance. Assurance is the result of a mother's trust in God. In 2015 in Thailand, a woman won the, uh, the Thailand beauty pageant. It was she won for the country. She was raised by a single mom who collected garbage her entire life to raise the child. She was raised by a single mom who collected garbage her entire life who, uh, who raised her, and she won Miss Thailand. I want to show you a picture of the woman's response when she gets to her mother and when she sees her. Now, I don't know about you, but I have never seen a woman in pump heels and a crown with a sash around her on the ground. There's some overwhelming respectfulness and assurance to that mother, isn't there? What a beautiful picture of that is right there. It's the assurance that Hebrews talks about. Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is what? Faithful, full assurance in that area. One more here doing it without notes. My back page didn't print. That's the, here we go. I'm almost done though. (laughs) Let's do this without notes. I'm using Josh's notes. Clearly I memorized most of this sermon. All right, we're right here in 1 Samuel. Last point, verse 18. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was sad no longer. Went her way and ate, and her face was sad no longer. She stops the prayer and fasting because a morning time is over. It was a morning time she gave her, you know, set herself either a day or whatever it was, morning. Everyone else is celebrating. She's mourning. But she encounters God. And that changes her. One word from Eli. She encounters God. Let me tell you about this sadness for Christians. If you keep reading the story, she's going to have Samuel, who is the greatest prophet in the Old Testament. The Bible says not a word of his fell to the ground. Everything he prophesied came true. Then, after she gave him to the Lord after he was weaned, she had five other children, three boys and two girls. If you follow her life, it's very interesting. Little Old Testament fact. Her family line are the key leaders in David's kingdom that help him write psalms and are musical leaders. 
If you follow her family line, the reason the golden age of Israel happened and so much of the amazing worship and psalms that we read and songs that are written after that is her family. See, because sorrows, they were just a memory. They faded away, number four in your notes. Sorrows are only memories for God-fearing mothers. They're only memories for God-fearing mothers. Well, it's Mother's Day, and I don't think it's even legal in a church to have a Mother's Day without hearing from a mother. So I asked Linnell, a mother who I've known for years and years, who has seven grown children, just to, what has God taught you about being a Christian mom? What's the Lord shown you? And uh, so she's going to speak for just a few minutes. Come up, Linnell. About what the Lord's really taught you. There you go, stand in the middle. Or you can get up on the stage and make you six inches taller. (laughs) Um, I'm a mother of seven daughters. And um, I guess you could say I was a mother for 30. We had children in the home for over 30 years. I could not have done it without my wonderful husband and without the Lord. Um, Several of our children were very close. The last five were in six years. So I was very busy. (laughs) And often Larry would have the toddler while I had the infant, you know. But anyway, um, so some of the things I learned, and most of it I learned through error first, and then the Lord have to correct me, and so then the lesson pretty much stuck. I mean, he's always bringing me back to it, but um, it's not like I was perfect in it. So the first thing was, as a mother, you need to fill yourself with God's Word and His Spirit. You can't give out to your children unless you're full of God and His Word and His Spirit. You need to be abiding in Him in order to give His love his peace, and his faith to your children. Number two, (laughs) confess your faults to your children. No pride (laughs) or perfection. That's where I was. I wanted to be perfect, you know, and um, I had, that was a big thing for me to, to be able to tell my child I was wrong. You know, I did this wrong, you know, and, and to correct myself in front of them. I think it really showed them a lesson in humility, you know, um, Then discipline in love from the heart of God, not emotion. Um, Again, I learned that one the hard way. (laughs) But there's not a lot of discipline nowadays for children. And I think I went overboard the other way. (laughs) Thankfully, my children don't say they don't remember it. (laughs) Um, But so that was the thing that the Lord taught me, to think of them as Jesus wants to correct them. He wants us to correct them for sure. We need to be firm um, and to be disciplined and to be structured, that children thrive in structure, Um, but to do it in love because Jesus wants this child to learn to grow in a certain way, not just because I want this child to do it this way, you know. Um, Then number four is one my dad taught me, to teach them the fear of God, that he is Lord and he is greater not us. We are not God of our lives. That everything we do or say, we're looking to God. You know, how is this what he wants me to do? Is this what his word says? And in in view of the fact that he is above all things and we will answer to him one day. And uh, this was on my heart, my dad's heart before he died. 
all the time. He was saying, we would get together with him every Friday, and he would be saying, we'd talk about the events in the world, and he's like, there's no fear of God. There's no fear of God out there in our society, you know. So that's the thing we need to, to teach our children, to fear the Lord. Um, not just to love him because he loves us. That's wonderful. But the first thing that God is the fear of God. Then um, be patient. <laughs> that's a good one. Especially when you're young, having children, you don't have a lot of patience. Um, be kind and be merciful like Jesus. Then, then teach them to do those things too. Teach them to be kind and teach them to be patient with one another. You know, I'm thinking of their siblings or whatever. Um, and to be merciful with one another. To put the other person, the other person or child or sibling, whatever, first, before themselves. My dad was always telling me, Linnell, think about others. <laughs> um, uh, then to speak God's word to them, a verse a day or a week a day, take it. I like, I'm a line upon line person, a precept upon precept person. And um, to teach them to hide his word in their hearts, you know, by memorizing it. Um, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's one of the early verses that I learned. So God's word was, needs to be paramount. Then when I was distressed one time with one of my children, you know, just kind of frustrated. She was always in rebellion, always very independent. And uh, anyway, I was crying out to God, kind of like Hannah was. And the Lord spoke to my heart. And he said to go with them to the foot of the cross. So it wasn't just me teaching them, do this, do that. But I needed to go bring them into the Lord's presence to behold the cross, to behold our Savior, to see what he had done for us so that it would be a personal experience for them and not just I'm teaching you to do it this way, you know, because this is the right way. But it needed to be a personal experience with them. They needed to know their Savior. Um. And then the last thing I want to talk is to pray and believe that God will circumcise their hearts. Um, he told us to ask and we would receive. And that's a mother's heart. I'm asking, Lord. I'm crying out, you know, um, for my children. And, I, and I'm still crying out for my children. And he said we would receive. So we have to believe that. When you pray, believe. Believe God hears you. Believe he answers. His promises are true, and he is a good God. So um, in Isaiah 59, um, 21, this is um, a verse. Like I said, I put scriptures on cards. That was my day-to-day -day thing. I would be sitting there with the baby on my lap, you know, and I had my scripture cards next to me, you know, and I could only do line upon line, but it was God's word that sustained Anyway, Isaiah 59, 21, and it says, This is my covenant with them, says the Lord. That's God's covenant with me. My spirit that's upon thee and my words that I've put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed seed, says the Lord from henceforth and forever. This has kind of been my go-to verse. Gets God's covenant with me. That his spirit and his word that he's put in me is going to be on my children and on my children's children. Now, the hard part is, at the moment, I don't see it a lot. A lot of my children have wandered away from the Lord. But I have to see the big picture. 
I have to see above the waves, like the song said this morning. I have to see my Savior walking on the water and his promise to me that says, come to believe that my children will be with him. And I am believing for an outpouring of his spirit, like that scripture says, on my children, on their husbands, and on my seed seed. Because he said it, and that's all I need. And then another verse, like I said, that pray that he would circumcise our hearts is Deuteronomy 36 and 8. It says, and the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart. He has to do it to me first. (laughs) Cut away the world, cut away the old man. And the heart of my seed, the heart of my children, to love the Lord my God with all all their heart and all thy soul that thou mayest live. And then the last verse, which I love, it says, and thou shalt return. This is God's promise. He knew they were going to wander. He said, but you shall return and obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments. So I have a little story about that. Um, One of our daughters was very estranged from us for about at least eight years. She didn't speak to us. Um, It was family drama, and she was paying us, you know, paying sending it our way. (laughs) Anyway, she wouldn't speak to us. We would text, we would email, we would call. She wouldn't pick up, she wouldn't respond. And when she did, she would say, I would send her things through her sisters and she would say, leave us alone. You know, anyway, uh, that's very heartbreaking to a mother. I would lay down on my pillow at night and the the tears would just flow out of my eyes. You know, I couldn't stop them. Um, Because, uh, you know, you love your child forever. Even if your child rejects you. Of course, one of the, the scriptures the Lord gave me was what the Lord told Samuel when Israel rejected and wanted a king. And he says, they haven't rejected you, they've rejected me. So that was what the Lord comforted me with, was that they hadn't, she hadn't rejected us. She was rejecting God and his word, you know, and pushing God away. Anyway, all I could do was love her unconditionally, continue to pray. Believe God. Sometimes the emotions went the other way. I wasn't perfect in it, you know, but God was always comforting me. His word is above all, and it does comfort us. And um, one of the things I gave her, I sent her this uh, sculpture. It's by a lady. It's called the Women of the Way. And uh, God anoints her to do art and to do sculpture. And this was the one that um, I found. And on the bottom of the sculpture, it has the verse that, Um, about the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing. So I sent her the big sculpture, and I kept a little one of an ornament for myself. And I, you know, told her that I was believing for her return. And um, a few years later, it was probably maybe three, at least three years later, God began to restore that relationship. Just little by little, I reached out, and she didn't push back you know, or whatever. And it just kind of little by little. And then all of a sudden, it turned on a dime. All of a sudden, she was in our life. She loved us again. She needed us. And we were there for her. And God kept his promise. And he was faithful. And so I just wanted to share that that testimony. Um, he is faithful. And then she sent me a message the other day. Yeah. Happy early Mother's Day, and that she was so thankful for our relationship. And um, 
anyway, that even so, but I, you had to go through the period of the eight years where it didn't look like it would ever happen. I mean, I thought, how in the world? She's written us off. How in the world do you come back from that, you know? And we never really had to talk about much of it. We just like, love you no matter what, you know? And um, some a friends, we went to Indiana recently, and a friend of ours shared a, a testimony with us about a guy in, that he works with who didn't have God in his life. God was not in his thoughts. You know, he wasn't, wasn't a spiritual person. And he had a heart attack. And during that episode, he saw two demons. And he heard the voice of the devil saying, take him, take him. And they said, we can't get through the prayers. We can't get through the prayers. So, and then after he revived, um, eventually someone led him to the Lord. But, I mean, he had no spiritual, he didn't know about demons, you know what I'm saying? He had no spiritual sense at all. But yet the demons knew and God revealed to him that they couldn't get through the prayers. So our prayers, the prayers of a righteous man or woman are very effectual. The fervent prayer is very effectual. God is faithful. He is good. Anyway, and he'll help our mother, us mothers too. As we pour out our passion to the Lord, he hears just like he did, Hannah. And you. Let's stand up. I wanted Linnell to share, because we read this and we think, well, you know, this was the Bible. This was a long time ago. You know, I understand God moved in miracles here, but it's different. It's not different. He's the same God as for Hannah, the same God for Linnell. He's the same God. Amen. Let's spend a few minutes with him before we close here. Just come to that same faithful, wonderful God. Whoever you are, mother, not mother, whatever it is. He's a God who answers prayer, who's faithful to his people. He's a God who gives full assurance. Revelation from God through Eli. 
And how does her weekend, how does she go home? She didn't come well, but look the way she went home. Then they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went home. Come on. That's our life. That's our God. I'm going to worship him just for a few minutes now. Worship him. You are good. You are good. Oh, you are good. Amen. Give him praise in his house. God bless you. Have a great day.